Just in case you don't know who I am, I'm Jim Hammond, and I'm really, really grateful that you chose to be with us today. Thank you for coming. We are in week two of Save People, Serve People, and this series is really exciting. Uh, I hope that you'll think so too. That was a joke. All right. <clears throat> so, just to say, you know, we need to celebrate together because we just had week one, and inside your bulletin, there's two handouts, and one of them looks like this. It's different than the typical. And this is kind of an exploring the service opportunities handout for people. I'm hoping that you'll look at this and that something I say today might motivate you because last week, and here's something to celebrate, 36 people were motivated to fill out this form already, week one. Now, if... If that is any indicator that they're going to explore and actually find a service place and stick with it, we have just in one week moved our number of volunteers from 28% of our average attendance to 34% of our average attendance already. That's exciting to me. That's why I said it's exciting to us. I hope, it's, hope it gets exciting to you too. So that's really really fun. Here is the series description, why we're doing this series, and what this phrase means, which is one of our core statements, save people, serve people. Salvation is a gift of a thriving life from Jesus Christ, who satisfies us, changes us, and blesses us so that we can serve and bless others, even as Jesus blessed and served us. Now, if you're with us last week, maybe you'll recall that last week we talked about how serving satisfies us. And if you look at that, you'll notice that now it says Jesus changes us. And we're going to just emphasize that serving changes us. Now, if we follow this pattern, you can kind of guess where we're going next week. Serving blesses us. Okay, so we're going to see how Jesus is satisfying us, how he's changing us, how he's blessing us, how we can make a difference. And so that's where we're at today. Serving changes me. Serving changes me. Our focus today reads this way. Serving is the quickest way to see change in our own lives. Now, I'm not convinced that you're convinced yet that serving is the quickest way to see change in our own lives. So I just want to let you know that's kind of what we're focusing on today, and I'm hoping that you'll see that really this is a way that you might want to consider to see the kinds of positive changes that God wants to see in your life. So to kind of get, a, get at that a little bit, if you want to be more like Jesus, here's a quote that I'm going to put on the screen for you. If you want to be more like Jesus, focus more on serving others than on being served. The best way to improve our marriages make a difference in our workplaces, and discover our spiritual gifts is to serve those around us. Serving is the quickest way to see change in our own lives. All right, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands because I, I don't want to have you commit to anything or feel like you're supposed to commit to anything. I'm hoping that even just saying that, you kind of see, yeah, I could see how serving might be a really quick way to make some dramatic changes in my life, but I totally admit I know where you're coming from. Our lives are so stacked busy. We are busy with a million and one things. The last thing we want to do today is hear somebody say, fill out this form. Sign up for more. Okay? So I recognize that. I'm only asking you to do that if God leads you to do that as you become more and more convinced that I really want to take this path to a quicker path of 
change for my own life, and to watch God work around me and through me. So that's what we're talking about today. Let's begin. Point number one is this. Serving increases my faith. So a lot of us want to grow. A lot of us want to move from wherever we are to where God wants us to be. A lot of us want to see the kind of changes that we're talking about. And what I want to convince you of is that serving is one of those main paths where we start to see some things change in our life. How do we get to the place where we have those changes that we want? And we're going to talk about four different changes today that serving will bring about. And so the first area is it increases your faith. Of course, the next question will be, how? How is it that serving increases my faith? Now, I could talk about that and just make that the whole message and talk about a whole lot of different ways that serving increases your faith. But instead, I thought I would just show you one episode in the New Testament where we get a glimpse of this and how it just states that faith rose up in people as they were serving. And so we want you to turn in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, And this is the long passage, so I'm not putting this on the screen. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab the chair Bible in front of you. Turn to page 740. On that page, you can look down to your lower left. There should be a large two at the beginning of a paragraph on your lower left on page 740. If you brought your own Bible, turn to John 2. I'm not putting these on the screen. I will put other shorter ones on the screen. If you do not have a Bible that is easy to read like this, and you enjoy this passage we read today, take that Bible with you. Put your name on it. We'd love to give that to you. We want you to learn what God has to say about your life. And this is exciting stuff. John chapter 2 is a recording from John, from his memory of the first sign that Jesus performed. He calls all the miracles that Jesus performed signs. And he's the last writer of the four Gospels. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all write about Jesus' life. So if you're really new to the Bible, I'd start in one of the Gospels to get right into the center of things and learn about Jesus. John's a good place to begin. So if you're reading this and you like it, start from the beginning, read it all the way through, jot down your questions. We'd love to talk with you some more. John 2, 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples also had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. This was a huge embarrassment for the, the wedding family that they're running out. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. This is really interesting because he's at the beginning of his ministry and he's already thinking about the end of his ministry. His whole purpose is this hour that hasn't come yet. And that's a whole study by itself. There's huge stuff in this passage. If you flip over your outline, which is also in your bulletin, there's all kinds of questions. If you join with others and investigate, you're going to get into a lot of details. We're only picking up on one detail today, so I'm giving you some other, other tools on the back of your outline. So let's see which detail we're picking up on. My hour has not yet come. Verse 5. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. When, when you're picturing jars, are you picturing jars that might be on the table here? Six stone water jars? 
Okay, think again as we keep reading. Six stone water jounds, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, there's a whole layers of deeper meaning when you start talking about this miracle isn't just a miracle about his power. This is a sign that points to other things. We're not even going there this morning. So I just kind of give you a heads up for you want to dig in deeper. But where we're going with this is how is it that serving raises your faith? Here's the deal with this miracle. The master of ceremonies never even saw the miracle. He just thought, wow, you saved the best to last. That's unusual. This is great stuff. That's all he saw. Most of the people at the wedding had no clue. Who was it that saw the miracles? The servants. The servants are in behind the scenes. They get to see stuff that nobody else sees, and that's how it is at church. We all come together like this, and we come, and we listen, and we think, oh, that was good, and we go home, we go, oh, I was fed, oh, this was great, oh, this is wonderful. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, all kinds of cool stuff takes place where things like, oh, the prayer team, somebody comes up for prayer, and maybe they pray about something specific, and then a week later, they share, you can't believe it, the thing you prayed for just happened. Now, none of us heard about it. The servants that signed up for the prayer team, now they get to witness a miracle, and the rest of us are totally in the dark. Servants see things happening out in the children's program. We think it's great. We have kids. We sent them all off. They're out there doing their thing. It's the servants in the kids' program that will occasionally get to hear about, and maybe firsthand, I want to ask Jesus into my heart to be my Savior. And we only hear about it secondhand, third hand, or maybe not at all. It's the servants that get to see. And what John is saying here, they who saw, they believed. Now, they already believed, the, the 12 in particular. They're following Jesus and believing in him, but they see this thing, and now their faith rises. The servants, because they're behind the scenes watching Jesus at work and participating and doing whatever Jesus says, their faith is elevated. And so there's a motivation for each of us to consider the quickest way to grow in our faith is to serve. Point number two. Serving helps me discover what I'm made for. Serving helps me discover what I'm made for. Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, and we're going to zero in on one verse from that letter. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Now, you probably should spend more time in context because you don't want to misunderstand, okay? Although we're supposed to serve and do good works, that's not how we get to heaven. He made that very clear just two verses before this, okay? So you want to look at the context where he says, hey, we're not saved by works, that no man should boast. We're saved by faith. It's the salvation is a gift of God. And this salvation that's a gift of God is given to us. So, and then we read, now it's given to us and we become his handiwork. Another word for that is his masterpiece, his workmanship. Now, I don't know if you believe this or not, but if you have a masterpiece, there was a master. Okay? We are his masterpiece. He's really good at what he does. Created in Christ Jesus. It's not something we have worked out and worked on so hard and we got so good at. No. He starts to do something in us and he's working out his handiwork in us so that we can do good works. And he actually has good works planned out, prepared out for us to do. Each one of you should be just leaning into your seat and going, oh, really? What is it that he wants me to do? Precisely what we're talking about today. Yes, you're his masterpiece. You're in process. And he is working on you to do some incredible things. Now, just little, little illustrations here. I'll try not to put anybody on the spot. Not too long ago, there was a guitar player who was brand new to the team who was only 13, who is now not 13, but, you know, moving along. This is not too long ago. And at 13, somebody asked him, and I heard about this. I wasn't the one that asked him, were you nervous for your first day? He says, no, I'm made for this. That's what we're talking about, where you discover precisely what you're made for, that you are a masterpiece, that God has kind of positioned you and, and started you along the way in the area that you're supposed to be serving. And now you get glimpses of the greatness and goodness of God that finds that spot for you that you just feel like, I'm made for this. I remember one of the first times I felt that. I just was driving back on a dirt road from a, a children's camp where I was teaching at a children's camp and doing the speaking as a retreat speaker. And I was just driving home on this dirt road and I just felt that same thing. I am made for this. It was exciting. I'm a part of this. And I learned how to talk in front of people, in front of children. It's a lot better place to learn than in front of you. You know, it's like, ah. Some of you joke about all the sound effects that I make and they just pop out of me. I just practice with children. They love sound effects, and it just kind of stayed with me, you know, as we go. God's handiwork created in Christ. We have multiple people on staff who learned through their internships by exploring different avenues that they really enjoyed serving, and they would figure out where their service area should be based on what God is doing and their exploration, what they were serving with people and what those people were saying, the people they were serving, what they were saying, and even what their heart was saying as they were just experimenting and exploring and serving. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Peter talks about it too. In 1 Peter, we read, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 
And some of you out there going, yeah, it's fine for you to say, I'm not gifted, I can't play the guitar, I can't teach, I can't do this, I can't do that. Stop it. Every single one of those people who give their lives to Jesus, the scripture is very clear that the spirit of God begins to gift you and will give you a gift to be a gift to the church. And if you want to learn more about this, that's a whole other study. But you can go to Ephesians 4, you can go to 1 Corinthians 12, you can go here, 1 Peter, and there's other places that believers have more than the natural trained talents that they've developed up to the point where they give their lives over to Jesus. Believers are then given a spiritual gift to explore, discover, train up, and all of a sudden you become a channel for God's power and God's gift to flow through you. And that's why I said there is nothing more exciting and satisfying than serving. Because when you find that sweet spot, as you're serving, you're making a difference, and all of a sudden it's just beautiful. Okay? So here is a statement just to kind of get this going for us on the screen. The next statement. You have been gifted by God. And you are incredibly valuable to him and the church. So how do you discover your gift? You discover your gift by exploring. What is it that you want to explore? Not everybody discovers it quickly. You dis discover it by exploring. And then in the process of exploring which gift you have in these different areas to serve. These might be just starting points for you. The people you serve with and the people you serve and your heart in the process begins to kind of zero in on, wow, this is what area that God has gifted me. And it really helps to have the exploring process where the people you serve, the people you serve with are part of helping you to figure out how you are gifted. Point number three. Serving adds connection. We could even put that in the plural. You might want to put parentheses S. Serving adds connections. Some people here, you've been attending and attending and attending, and you still feel a little bit disconnected. And this is a way of adding connection. Okay? Now, not too long ago, two weeks ago maybe, I was listening to a discussion from parents that went to a foster care training seminar. And in the training, part of the discussion was, oh, that's just foster kids. They have broken connections. And they'll have all of this kind of thing in their life because of their broken connections. You won't be able to train them in the same way until they have the connections restored. It's not going to help to just give them training and knowledge and information. My eyes and my mind and my heart just went, bing, this is an illustration of the reality of our lives. We are all foster children who have been adopted by Jesus Christ, and all of us are broken in so many ways because our connections were broken. And once the connections are restored with Jesus Christ, those connections are absolutely essential. They're required for us to grow. Sorry, I'm getting excited. Okay. Um, so like, it works like this. A brand new believer comes out of the baptistry and they're a new creation. 
If connections aren't made around them, and they think all I need now is more knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge, and then I can grow. Wrong. That's not going to do it. We're going to be on a path where that knowledge, as you grow, if you evaluate your growth only on the basis of the more knowledge that you have, and I'm growing because I'm gaining more knowledge, you're completely missing the connections. Now, here's the easiest way for me to get at this. You and I both. We know that there are certain things that we do that we know better than doing. Right? It's not knowledge. We still struggle. And what is it going to be that's going to help us to overcome in those areas of struggle? It's going to be when our hearts get so connected with Jesus Christ that we're satisfied and we no longer do that stuff that we know we shouldn't do to fill a a void that we're feeling, where Christ starts to fill that void. We're connected with other people in such a way that they begin to motivate us and they support us and we start to feel so connected that we're able to live a life that is a thriving life. Like a foster kid that now starts to feel the love and the bonding and the connections. And so with those connections, they can begin to thrive again. Serving adds connections. So with those connections, here's the process and here's what happens. On the screen is just a short one-liner. When we make connections, we move from guest to renter to owner. Now what I mean by that is, here's just an example right in this room. A lot of you have been coming and coming and coming, and you still consider yourself a guest. And here's why you consider yourself a guest. You say things like, I really love your church. You start thinking more like a renter when you start saying, I really love our church. You're really owning it when you say, I love my church. Because now you've made the connections, you're starting to serve, you're starting to make the difference. You see what, see what happens there? You're not just a guest. You're not just a renter. Now you have the pride of ownership because you've made the connection. I love my church. And people say that when they start to see that they matter. I want you to say this with me because this is true about you. I matter. Ready? Let's say it again. I matter. You don't really feel like you matter when you just sit in a crowd. You begin to feel like you matter when God has shown you how you can make a difference, how you are making a difference. Just by showing up, you make a difference. This is really boring up here when you don't show up. (laughs) Okay? All right. So more than just showing up, making yourself available, and now experimenting and serving and beginning to, to discern whether this is your area. Once you find your area, it's like you don't want to miss because I matter. I'm making a difference with these kids. I'm making a difference with these people. I made a difference with that person forever. Now you feel like, wow, I matter. Point number four. Serving changes my focus. Serving changes my focus. Let's read Matthew 20. This is a key passage for this whole series. Jesus called them together and said, this is verse 25, 
Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, now here's how Jesus referred to himself frequently because he didn't want to bring that hour that he was waiting for too early in his ministry, that hour when he was going to give up his life. He didn't want it to happen so fast. Every time he started talking about who he was as the Messiah, everybody would misunderstand. And so he referred to himself as a neutral term, the Son of Man. And everybody knew this by this time when he's saying this. He's referring to himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life. He's referring to the Son of Man, his own self-designated title to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we as believers, following in the tracks of Jesus, when we say we are wanting to be like Jesus, we're following in his footsteps, he's saying, this is what you must do. If you want to be great in his kingdom, stop trying to go about it the way the world does. They climb up, they step on each other, they achieve, they strive, they, they're trying to get to the top and rule over everybody else. That's not what I did, Jesus says. What I did, I didn't come to be a consumer. I didn't come to be a customer. I came to be a servant of all. If you want to be great in the kingdom, follow my example. Be a servant of all. It's the fastest way to experience change in your own life. Stop trying to change your life to become better and better and more powerful and and climb up. Serve. Begin to serve, and you're going to see quick changes in your marriage, quick changes in your workplace, Quick changes in you when your whole focus shifts from consumer, me and my world, I'm the center of my universe, to Jesus is the center of my world. I'm going to serve you, Jesus, whatever you say, I'm ready to do. I'm here, I'm ready to report to duty. What do you have for me today? And begin to serve. He says, now you've got it. I've showed you how that works. Follow in my steps. Here's a very old story. I think it was written in 1953. Some of you have heard it before because it's a story that's been used in churches before. I've used this story before. If it's new to you, it'll bless you. If it's old to you, it'll bless you. Okay? Here it is. dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur. There was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was no more than a hut, and there was only one boat. But the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea. With little to no thought for themselves, they went out day and night, tirelessly searching for the lost. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station and give their time and money in effort to support the work. New boats were brought in and new crews were trained. And the little life-saving station grew. Some of these new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. They felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those who were saved from the sea. They replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in the enlarged building. 
Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they began to use it sort of as a club. Fewer members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The life-saving motif still prevailed in this club's decor, and there was a memorial lifeboat in the room where the club initiations were held. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, and some of them were foreigners. The beautiful new club was in chaos. Immediately, the property committee hired someone to rig up a shower outside the club, where victims of the shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. The outsiders made the life-saving station extremely dirty. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities because they felt that they were unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. But a small number of members insisted upon life-saving as their primary mission and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. After all, the dissenting group's members were voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. So they did. As the years went by, however, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old station. It evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was found. History continued to repeat itself, and if you visit that eastern seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters. Maybe you've noticed that life out there is a shipwreck, that it's not heaven. There's a lot of messed up and broken people. That's why we exist as a church. We're not a club for us to gather and be consumers and feel good and be fed. The last time I noticed, if you're all about being fed and you're not about exercising, there's a problem. And so to be healthy, we need to live out that which we have taken in. And there's a mission. That's what it means to follow Jesus, that he saved us. And we say, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. You've done this. That's amazing. And so rather than evaluate how we're doing by asking the question, what's in it for me? That's a consumer question or a customer question. What's in it for me? Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You're no longer a consumer. You're no longer a customer. If you're following me, you are a servant of all. You have to decide who are you going to be. Are you just going to be a customer, consumer, evaluate? How did it went today? It was great. I loved it. This is what I love about it. It's all about me. Or will you take what you receive and do something with it. Readily, I understand that this is only exploratory to help you. Serving happens everywhere, every day, as we follow Jesus. These are just ways of understanding how we're made and perhaps how we're gifted and how we can make a difference in a movement that Jesus began. And Jesus wants to change our valley. 
He wants his name and reputation to become stronger and stronger so people start saying, what is it that changed your marriage? What is it that held you together? What is it that has made it so that your teenagers are not doing the stuff that my teenagers are doing? And everybody starts to gather to a movement of the living Savior, Jesus Christ, because we are serving him. We have a big task ahead of us to get in that movement and watch Jesus move. Because it's not about how hard we work, it's about when we come together with what he does, and now we add our ordinary to his extra, and we see extraordinary. Right? Let's stand together. We're going to finish with a prayer that I think that you can relate to. It talks all about the things we talked about. It doesn't matter whether you've committed to the Lord Jesus Christ yet. You can pray this prayer if you want to. It's going to draw your heart. I find that when I pray prayers out loud, it has a larger impact on my heart and soul than when I'm just praying them quietly. So I'm going to encourage all of you to pray it out loud. If you don't feel like you want to, that's fine. If you want to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, I'd like to explore this. I want to learn how serving can change me. This is something that will get us started there. So let's all pray it slowly, loudly, together. Ready? My dear Lord Jesus, you did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give your life as a ransom for me. I love you, and thank you for that. Thank you for forgiving me when I have a self-centered, what's-in-it-for-me consumer mentality. I want to have the what-can-I-do-to-help servant mentality because I want to serve you. I am so grateful that, next slide, you are making me your masterpiece for good purposes. Thank you for preparing eternally significant things for me to do. I want to discover what I'm made for. I want to add connections and work side by side with others in a thriving life making a difference for others now and forever. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me and through me, all because of you. I ask this in your name and authority. Amen.